Hi, this is Jim Myers, and I'm here with my fellow partners, the Weird Guys. We are Weird Films, and uh, Car Talk isn't on right now, so we decided we would uh, stay up and chat on Sci-Fi Saturday Night. So join us. Listen. Computer, status report. Don't blink. Don't even blink. Blink and you're dead. No! Welcome, 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 everybody, to Worldwide Kiss of Wookiee Day, January 15th, 2011. It's Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Deep in Area 51, waiting to see if John Barrowman will also be wearing a Stetson this season because Stetsons are cool. I know. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> Only if he talk- has a Stetson on. <laughs> Uh, joining the talk cast tonight from the Alston Broughton Hellmouth, our silent technical wizard and kitten herder, Kriana. Belmac. That was the name of my planet. It's also what it was made out of. And from the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, a man who wonders why Rory is still married to the ginger, it's Illustrator X. <laughs> and tonight I'm wearing underoos. That's underwear that's fun to wear. And his reanimated Princess of the Damned, the woman of my dreams and nightmares, the dead redhead. I'm telling you, just a Stetson. Nothing else, just a Stetson. From Outpost Gallifrey in Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm, I'm, I'm just traveling forward. I'm moving forward here. <laughs> Outpost Gallifrey in Indiana, our Midwest crop circle investigator and the man who turned into a Dalek just for the hell of it. It's Awake by Java. <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, very voice. silent. Yes. A very, very quiet Dalek. They're usually much louder than that. <laughs> Our guest tonight, writer, artist, and graphic novelist Anne Sabla, will be joining us at the half hour mark to talk about Cialdian. Did I do that right? You did. Okay. And her second graphic uh, novel currently on the web. Bird Boy, which I'm kind of in love with, but that's just me. Save it for the second half, though. I will save it for the second half because we've got three weeks' worth of stuff from the first half because for the past two weeks we've been talking about the year in review. But the best thing about it is it's just the creme de la creme of sci-fi news. It's just the best stuff. But there's nothing about Green Hornet. Like I said, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, honestly, I can't say anything about Green Hornet because I haven't Wait. seen it. Wait, Java, you're coming in muffled and distant. Muffled and distant, just the way I like myself. <laughs> I was going to say it's like that. It's <laughs> pretty much the way all our, our relationships end up, isn't it? Muffled and distant. <laughs> Yeah, I'll be posting my review of the Green Hornet uh, in the next couple of days. Uh, I'm just going to say this, and then we'll move on. See it. That's it. So let's talk about what's been going on for the past three weeks while we've been doing the world in review. No television, one from Wonder Woman. What the hell? I'm okay with that. 
I'm not. I am. Why are you until they, Unless they have a woman who can live up to our... Linda Carter? Our, our princess, then no. I mean, she needs to look fairly Greek. She cannot be five foot or four foot 11 and weigh, you know, 30 pounds. I always she thought needs- Snooki would be great as Wonder Woman. Oh, stop. <laughs> Just stop. Oh. Until they can prove to me they have somebody who can live up to being our Amazonian princess, then I'm okay with not having a show about her. Well, you know, the problem is they've been having problems with the Wonder Woman movie, too. And it all comes down to the fact, let's face it, people, she looks ridiculous. No, that's not true. Oh, God, what is wrong with you? My I'm, God. No, she does look ridiculous. She does not. Thank you. Yes, she does. She does not. It's, oh. it's, a, it's, a, it's a comic book from a different era. And you know what? There's just really just no way to get her to, to fit in with the modern adult attitude towards comic books. I just don't. Yes, there is. Think. Yes, there is. There's an outfit that they could come out up with. Uh, somebody, if we need the next Edith Head, to, <laughs> I hear she gives good costume. To come up <laughs> with a fantastic outfit, and it would work. But again, it's it has to be done just right. I think they should consult George Perez. That's the only way this is going to work. Here's I, my problem. You know, honestly, I don't think that superhero television shows work. No. Oh, what? Uh, case X. in point. Smallville. I was actually going to concede the original Wonder Woman TV show back in the 70s yes. is actually decent. Yes. It's not it bad. Um, again, well, it's when it was. the same level that the original Batman was in, in, in the way that no, it was put together. Careful. Careful. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not dissing either. I'm absolutely not. But I also think that there's a place for this level of icon in the DC universe, on film or on TV. Uh, frankly, it needs to be there. Wonder Woman has been the female franchise in DC forever, and she needs to be there. And there's well, got to be a way to do it. Let's have DC stop dissing women characters, too, female characters. And- well... DC has been vaguely misogynistic for years. Yes, they have. And wait a minute, wait a minute. How can you say that about a character who ties people up with their golden lasso? Watch it. (laughs) Your point. Silence, (laughs) podcast. (laughs) Your point. I have no problem with that. (laughs) She's a very very strong woman, which is... Damn right she is. And her criminal enemies have been so very bad. <laughs> oh, stop it, you guys. <laughs> Just stop well, it. I noticed that this week DC okay. released Wonder <laughs> Woman uh, mascara and makeup. Yes, and that she never said she wasn't feminine. She is feminine. Okay. She wears makeup. That's been in the comics before. So the lead story in science fiction over the last few weeks has been <laughs> Wonder Woman, apparently. <laughs> No, actually, not, you know, she should exist. Some of the biggest news that I think that, that's come out recently is uh, is more on the speculative fiction side. 
um, because we are uh, just about a month away from the release of Game of Thrones. And the closer we get to Game of Thrones, the more excited I get, because this is an amazing series that's going to just work so well on Showtime. I, it's definitely going to work sh on Showtime better than it would on any uh, major network or cable network. There's no doubt about it. I've got to tell you that the, the trailer that I saw is not terrific, but as, as a rule, trailers don't usually do much for me anyway. But uh, the this the stuff for Game of Thrones, you know the the backstory the and uh, what it can bring out it should be terrific. Yep, I think so. Yay! <laughs> Motion is passed. Yeah. Carried. Fantastic! Look for that. It's coming out in a couple of, in just just a little bit. A couple more. of weeks. Yeah. Yep. April seventeenth is when uh, when the premieres, and uh, along the same lines, we got some news about the Hobbit movie, which will include Elijah Wood. Okay, and, and we care about that. Why? Uh, it, it's basically just a way to frame the movie and and make it tie in better to the Lord of the Rings franchise because you know um, the the fans of the the Lord of the Rings movies. Uh, who haven't read the books really don't understand a lot of why that whole story took place, which is part of The Hobbit, but they don't really connect. There's just that, that little you know, right. bridge between Bilbo and Frodo, and so this gives the movie makers a way to bridge the films. Uh, apparently, Elijah Wood will appear as Frodo at the beginning and the end of the movie as bookends uh, to tell the story of, uh, you know, the Red Book of uh, Hobbit lore is escaping me. Red Book of Westmarch, that's what it is. Okay. Um, again, um, this is really not mine, not, not something I'm keenly interested in. And Elijah Wood, I don't know. But, you know, but well, but David, David Tennant might be in the movie, too. Yeah, I know. He's, well, he's, been, he's been rumored to be a part of the production for a while. Um, yes. But yeah, the, his role hasn't been ascertained yet. Oh, no. The rumor is that he will be Thranduil, the elven king and father of Legolas. That's the most recent one, yeah. Woo! Oh, there are other, room, other casting rumors? Uh, there were rumors about um, you know, various roles, but you know, he. I could so see him. I so see him as Thranduil. I mean, that scene in the book. I'm like, yeah, all right. I could. I could see David Tennant with pointy ears. That's yes. You know. Oh, absolutely. I could see him as an elf. Yeah, and someone who Bilbo and the dwarves ultimately—well, spoilers—but have to escape from. If you haven't read the source material, you know what? Too bad. That's true. Well, if you haven't read the source material, well, oh, spoiler! Superman Elijah. comes from Krypton. Sorry. Spoilers. <laughs> the uh, it'll be interesting to see him in that role. I think that you know. I think it's just I really want to see him doing something else. Um, although I still think he should wear a Stetson. <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. 
Well, actually, I he's doing. Else. I just read he's doing um, much ado about Air nothing Air. right now. He's going to do much ado about nothing this summer with Catherine Tate. That ought to be interesting. He, he is great in Shakespeare. I saw him reading uh, or, or performing. He's doing the Hamlet. Hamlet, and uh, oh, that was just. I showed it to my class as an example um, of dramatic monologue, and it was it was amazing. It was really good. So that's fantastic. He, bring, he brings a level of manic intensity to whatever he does. That and, he does, and it's it's marvelous. It's mar- mm. from an acting strictly from an acting standpoint, if nothing else, whatever he's in, he really puts his mark on. And it's it's if you like him, it's wonderful. If you don't. Go watch some crap because everything he's been in <laughs> so far, I've just really enjoyed the hell out of. Well, now speaking of Doctor Who actors, you know, I just want to say it's been announced. The rumors are true that oh before Christopher Eccleston, other actors did play Doctor Who, and uh, <laughs> there is a, a classic Doctor Who channel on YouTube to back this up. Yeah, but I, I think they're all basically fakes. I mean, can, just, a lot of them just, couldn't possibly have been that bad, could they? Well, granted. Just read, just read my review on William Hartnell. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Zing. Oh, you're no, so but, wrong, laddie. <laughs> but the, the YouTube channel is really interesting. Not only do they have a lot of clips of old shows, um, they, but they've got a lot of discussion about the development of the Doctor character and the way that they wrote stories back then, which is really interesting. Yeah. And how, you know, back in the day when you had a monster made of coat hangers... <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> it was okay. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of monsters made of coat hangers, uh, Spielberg... you LARPers, aren't you? Oh. No, I'm, ta- I'm talking about Spielberg's uh, <laughs> Alien Invasion TV show, Falling Skies. Mm. Uh, now, this looks is, interesting. This actually looks really, really, really good. Well, um, there was a trailer released a few weeks ago, and it's a fantastic trailer, which is what you expect from Spielberg, because he makes great trailers. <laughs> well, that's true. But this trailer, I don't believe I saw a single um, giant uh, spotlight or wind machine. Okay. <laughs> Which here's are what, trademarks. But, but here's what I did see. I saw Noah the Librarian Wiley. Okay. And, if you, and I'm sorry, but that franchise of television movies leaves me absolutely cold. It's <laughs> I can't just imagine not, why. <laughs> it's not even... The Good. librarian was awesome. Uh, Screw you all. <laughs> <laughs> a, voice, a voice from the ether. <laughs> that is the most quality entertainment <laughs> you'll ever find. And the right, chick is hot. Fire high. I'm not talking about the chick. I'm talking about Noah Wiley. He what? looks confused all the time. What else do you want from him? <laughs> Seriously, what else can you expect from him? He has one shtick and he does it well. Huh? I'm not sure he does it that well. Yeah, he does but, you know uh, why? It's sincere. Why is it called the librarian? <laughs> I thought I signed up for Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, evidently you did. Okay, as the Zombrarian will tell you, he's technically an archivist. Ah. <laughs> 
even the name is false. <laughs> Sorry, I just um, could not keep quiet any longer with you dissing the librarian. What the hell is wrong with you? I, uh, I stayed silent through the mangling of what parts David Tennant might play in The Hobbit. Java, I agree with you about Ferno, but I cannot stay silent for the librarian. <laughs> Uh, send in the kittens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. but Fallen Skies itself looks uh, actually yeah. rather, rather, rather now, cool. Now, did anybody else get to see the first episode of The Cape? Yes. I liked it. Guess what? So did I. I it's, thought it was it was enough for me to want to watch another episode. What was it as good as The Librarian? Stop it. Ow. <laughs> Thank you for hitting him so I don't have to reach through the intercubes into it. Java, did you get a chance to watch the cape? I, I did not. I was too busy downloading um, Twin Peaks. <laughs> of the two, I would have taken Twin Peaks. But the cape, you know, um, not bad in terms of acting, not bad in terms of pace, not bad in terms of sticking with the uh, original intent of the, uh, the, the books. Kind of overall, not you know, not great, but definitely not bad. Yeah, I'd watch another episode. It was um, I liked the story. I liked the way that the story went. It was somewhat predictable, but it did have a few twists in it. Yeah, it did. It was very nice. And I liked done. this whole circus thing. <laughs> I the, uh, you know what's really interesting? We, we were just talking about Falling Skies, but Steven Spielberg also has another show in the works, um, which is actually going to premiere on May 23rd and 24th. It's a two-night premiere. Uh, that's Terra Nova. For, which, yes, that's true. From what I've read, it's basically Land of the Lost. <laughs> uh -oh. Is, isn't that right? I mean, family gets thrown 150 million kind of, years. Kind of. 150 past. million years in the past, yeah. I think the whole purpose behind Terra Nova was, uh, at least the blurb that I read was, uh, Earth is entirely screwed up. They send this family to the past to redo the past. And I'm thinking to myself, yeah. this can't end well. And okay. not step on any butterflies while they're back there. Yeah. Thank you, Mr. Bradbury. I appreciate no. your effort in this. <laughs> just, just step on the right butterflies. The point there is you there go. we go. That's true. It, it's an interesting concept. But why is Spielberg making television shows right now? Why can't he be making Bored with movies? I'm bored with Steven Spielberg. You know what I'm not uh, bored of, though, is uh, all of the news coming out about the Dark, the Dark Tower series. Dark Tower series. Talk to me about that, besides the fact that Avia Bardem is in it. Well, the Dark Tower series is Stephen King's... Uh, oh, 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 okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all actually, Stephen King has said that all of his books take place inside of this this world of the Dark Tower. Yeah, right. And they all tie together, which is an amazing thing to think about because he's a unbelievably, almost obscenely 
prolific writer, and you right. know, all of to think that all of his work goes under this this uh, you know canopy of the Dark Tower is really interesting. And I've just started reading the series. Um, news is just flying out of this production. They they're reporting that Javier Bardem is the first uh, choice for the central character Roland. Um, and oh my God. <laughs> That's, no, I mean, I, I've, I've loved the Dark Tower series, but that is excellent casting. And guess who the backup is? Viggo Mortensen. Even more cool. I mean, it, it, I would choose Javier Bardem because I think he's, a, he's a, one of the best actors that's out there right now. Yes. But, yeah. You know, and especially well-suited for that particular part. But, uh, I mean, Viggo Mortensen is also excellent. And with... I, I there's there's so much stuff going on with it. The the point, the whole thing is being produced by Ron Howard. Yay! Which okay. is I like uh, Ron. Interesting. Uh, he does he does good solid work. Um, yes. He's not a visionary. Um. So it'll be interesting to see what comes out of it. it I it, thought well, Cocoon was very visionary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so was Night Shift there. <laughs> Henry Winkler and Mr. Mom there. Hey, hey, but, hey, 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 hey. Any mover I'm, any movie about hookers with the fawns <laughs> cannot be that's bad. True. That's true. Okay? This, hookers but, and the fawns <laughs> equals great movie. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, ladies and, and gentlemen. And you do have that nice shot of Shelley Long from the back, but Besides I forward the, to your cards and letters. Thank the you. Problem with, <laughs> the problem with putting Stephen King on film is that Stephen King's books are so there's so much internal monologue, and it's very hard to translate to film. Now, I mean, some of it does work well. The Green Mile, I thought, was an excellent adaptation. So I'm just hope. I mean, the Dark Tower series is it's, so it's good. An it's an epic. And, Absolutely. And- that one of the great things is that they are already planning for an epic. It's not just the TV series, but it also includes three full-length feature films. Oh, you'll need more than that. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they, are, they are taking this very seriously because, you know, honestly, Stephen King is, is something you can't, you can't approach Stephen King's material. I mean, I'm not, I'm not a huge Stephen King fan. I never have been. But he has such a sway and he's affected um you know literature so much in the past yes yeah that that you really you really do need to take his work very seriously and you know that he's actively involved so and we'd love to have him on the show (laughs) uh yeah mr king now that you're not writing for entertainment weekly anymore i know you've got some free time at least half an hour a week (laughs) (laughs) considering how prolific you are otherwise so I mean you know uh, X why don't you give him a call see if we can get him on the show Uh, uh, done and done (laughs) Uh, you know I'll see him at at the the Sunday night poker game tomorrow so I'll just oh excellent (laughs) alrighty okay so what's the deal with uh, redoing Total Recall again no kidding what, you know, what, you, it's, think, you think they did it right the first time? <laughs> okay, number one, do I care? <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's only Philip K. Dick. I know, but it was a bad idea. The first movie was a bad idea. 
Colin Farrell second time around? Does that sound any better? No. I haven't liked Colin Farrell very recently. I haven't liked the stuff that he's been doing. So I thought it was great in Daredevil, but that's just me. (laughs) What? He was. (laughs) Oh, he was. That was that was one of the only things about that movie I liked. I give that. I give that. That's true. But, you know, uh, if, if, it's the only good thing you can say about that goddamn movie. <laughs> this is true. I don't think you need to say anything good about that movie. Oh, I disagree. I mean, if you look at it, there has there, you know, nope. in a movie as unredeemingly bad as that, uh, only to be outdone by Electra. <laughs> I was going to say, Dome, if it wasn't for Daredevil, we wouldn't have Electra. That's absolutely right. But, I mean, you know. <laughs> And as you recall, we've already had that conversation on this show a couple of times. Uh, but that being the case, and that being said, you know, I mean, Colin Farrell has had his definite his, his ups and downs, but he took an incredibly bad movie, which was Daredevil, and yeah. actually made it made himself look uh, shine in that movie. I thought it was terrific. If there was anything redeeming about that movie, it was him. Then, then here's what we need to do. We need to get Colin Farrell slated for Ant-Man. Oh, uh, uh, yeah. We do. Because, oh, because if, there, if there is a movie that is destined to suck... <laughs> I'm sorry. Ant-Man is an awesome superhero. He is, but it's just, it's just one of the... It's hard to sell. Yeah. It's hard to sell Ant-Man. Okay. Then let me ask you a question: Why is it harder to sell? Why is it hard to sell Ant Man and hard to sell Wonder Woman? What because, is? But you know why? Because some superheroes work best as part of a team, but when they go solo, it just doesn't work. That's why every time they try to do a Martian Manhunter series, it yeah. fails. That's okay. why you know they never had like. Scarlet Witch and the Vision as an ongoing series. They work best as part of the overall team. Captain America can cu- handle a, you know, a series all of his a own. Well, yeah, of course he can because he keeps killing his sidekicks. <laughs> and, uh, here, here. <laughs> there, there. Well, you, you would only think they're dead. Yeah, I clearly. 50 years you know, of continuity, years that's later. like, well. Wait, how did he, where did he come from? Well, he was here all along. Really? Yeah. Uh, it's the same reason we'll never see an Aquaman movie. We'll never see what? An Aquaman movie. That's just, well, we should anyway. Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> you can have Batman. You can have all. You know, you can have all of the Justice League people. But you know what? When you get to Aquaman, it's a hard sell because. Yeah. He's kind of you know, he sucks. Even the Smallville creators, at first, they were like, we're going to do an Aquaman spinoff from Smallville. No, we're not. And then they Everybody went, Smallville is in Kansas. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. They woke up the next morning. It's like, what did we say last night? What wow, did we, we drink last really night? Drunk. Yeah, exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know. I remember a guy with an orange scaly shirt. Oh, crap. We didn't sign anything, did we? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, there was there was at one point a uh, Hal Jordan Flash TV series. You mean Barry Allen? Barry, Barry Allen. Allen. I'm sorry. And that was cute. 
it was cute, but dumber than a stump. It had, um, it had dumber. <laughs> no, what's his name? Played the mirror. Um, oh no, Mark, Mark Hamill was was on it as. Yes, the, he um, was actually. He something was, or other. He was creepy too. But it was like thirteen episodes and gone. Yeah. And I mean, you know, we we've got to be able to look at these the the superheroes that we want to bring into movies and bring into uh, television and go, does this really make any sense? Does Ant Man make any sense? No. Oh. Well, remember, don't you probably remember this? Uh, like the first season of Saturday Night Live, <laughs> there was that sketch, the Belushi sketch, the yes, the Belushi sketch of all the superheroes at a party at, at Superman's apartment, and Ant Man's there, and he's like. I'm Ant-Man. And they're like, yes. <laughs> and it's, and I was like, who's playing him? Garrett Morris. Garrett Morris. That's, that's the public perception all these years later. And it, it hasn't changed. It absolutely hasn't changed. It's, it's a bad idea. It's <laughs> and it's like, yeah. Hey, Garrett so, Morris. Which is a shame because you're, you know, Java, you're right. It's actually a good character. Oh, yeah. Ant-Man's a great character. If you, yeah. it, I mean, if you read the comics, he's a good character. But yeah, absolutely, and he's he's also Giant Man, and Yellow Jacket. He's a little and bit of a bitch, though. Goliath, and yeah, he's a little bit of a bitch. But you know what? It's all good, because he's Ant Man, baby. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Human Torch was always a, a whiny little bitch, anyway. <laughs> mm. uh, so, so, before before we get into the uh, grasp into the pouch of the wheel of marsupials, uh, I think we got time for at least one more item, don't we? Okay, what do you want to get into? I well, my this children are listening, sir. But uh, <laughs> no, I'm. I'll tell you what. A few more. It's it's uh, the thing that I think is really interesting is there was this article on Slash Film the other day, actually weeks ago, uh, with David Lynch who is doing Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea, which we talked about, and Rendezvous with Rama. Um, wait, 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 what? Whoa, whoa, what? I, I, I'm sorry. Did you just say David Lynch? Uh, sorry. David Fincher. Oh, <laughs> you've got Twin Peaks on the brain here tonight. <laughs> yeah, Although, I'm, no one I'm have been a whole other movie. <laughs> David Lynch doing Rodney Miss Drama. Wait a minute, that would have been awesome. That was epic. Are you kidding yeah. me? Yeah, ignore that. It'll just ruin it for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, David Fincher, right? He he's got three projects going on right now. He's got Twenty Thousand Leagues Under the Sea which he's doing with Disney, Rendezvous with Rama, which has been in development for forever, and The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. Um, and, you know, he's, he was doing this interview, and he said just a few things. He said 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is going to be in 3D. Of course. It's just uh, got to be. Uh, and he talks a lot, and he has been, has been talking about Rendezvous Rama, and you know the Norton Orgman is attached to the... Hold on. Java. Java, the CIA is jamming you again. Hello? There you are. Okay. No, the Daleks have taken over once again. He's talking a lot about things and forever, which are basically sad that, you know, he's really excited about Rama and we're going to bring in his Dude, I, Java, I, I'm sorry. I don't know what you're saying or the drugs I've taken are really in effect. <laughs> or you sound both. like a Dalek and an echo machine right now. Okay, okay. Be right back. You guys talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> sorry, man. 
So I'm sorry. So Dome, the wheel. <laughs> I don't know. Is Kriana still with us? How's that, guys? There you hey! go. Much better. Much cleaner. I think Kriana's there. Down. Warning. <laughs> Kriana, if you could run the wheel of marsupials, please. Affirmative. Sweet. And the winner in this week's pouch of marsupials is the Tribbles. The Tribbles are here. The Tribbles have come. <laughs> nice. Hi. Let me know when you're done, Kriana. <laughs> you are an insulting, pompous fool. And if you are not an ambassador, I would disembowel you right here. Well. Thank you, Ward. <laughs> Our Daniel Oliva uh, commented on last week's show by saying it was a great program. Thank you. We thought so, too. Damn right Thank you. He was impressed with Marion Call, especially with her insight that science fiction is both a great reflection of cultural fears and hopes and also a commentary on current events. Wow. An echo in here? <laughs> <laughs> so, Daniil, you have won as yet undetermined prize package of monumental worth and incalculable value. Congratulations. <laughs> and we're giving away much the same this week. But how how can they win? How? Um, well, you can do one of two things. You can email me five thousand dollars in small unmarked, <laughs> or make a comment on this post after it is posted by logging on. Well, any comment whatsoever about what's gone on the show this week, or perhaps what you think about some of the movies we've talked about, or perhaps about. Oh, I don't know. David Lynch. Yeah. <laughs> Watch all the emails this week. Yeah, David Lynch would do a good 20,000 leagues under the city. <laughs> Man. Look I'm down telling <laughs> So, Kriana, I think it's time to bring in Ann Zabla. You say so. <laughs> <laughs> One ringy dingy. Oh my god. Please input command code. <laughs> Two ringy dingy. Hello, hello. <laughs> Hi, Ann. Welcome hey, to Sci Fi Saturday night. Hi. Transfer Happy complete. <laughs> Thank you, Kriana. <laughs> well, I hope you haven't been listening like, to the first half hour because we've been rather drunk through most of it. Uh, <laughs> uh -oh. <laughs> X, but take what? it away, my friend. Sure. So, Ann. Yeah. You've got an, um, a comic online called Cialdian. 
but it's not just a comic. Apparently, it is an epic. It is an epic. It is a historical fantasy epic, and it's one of two epics you're working on right now. That's right. Tell us a little bit about Cialdian. Um, well, Cialdian is an epic fantasy, and it's sort of based on um, Norse and Celtic cultures um, in, in the art style and just, like, the culture of the people that are in the story and everything like that. And it's about a man named December and his 11 brothers. And December has just become king because his father was assassinated. So he has to learn how to deal with becoming a king and learning how to run his kingdom. But at the same time, him and his brothers receive this sort of magical, either a gift or a curse, they're not quite sure. And they have to sort of figure that out while trying to run their kingdom. And this war is starting and their family is sort of falling apart. And it's just coming to this whole big climax and they have to figure out how to handle everything. Nice. That's great. Uh, you know, what? how did you come about, uh, you know, the decision to start writing Cialdian? Um, what's your background as far as art and comics and... Um, well, actually, Cialdian started because I was working back, way back when I was a wee child um, <laughs> in middle school. I was working with a few friends of mine on this story um, that was sort of written between the three of us. And it was like we each had a character and we sort of played along and it sort of went on forever. But eventually we started growing up or everyone else started growing up. But I didn't grow up, so I kept wanting to write stories and so <laughs> <laughs> fantastic yeah yes <laughs> so i decided that i was going to do basically the prequel of the story that we had been writing and that story was the Albion. and i decided to do comics because originally i was always into um, movies but i was not a fancy production company so <laughs> all i had was a printer paper and a scanner and Photoshop and I said, I'm gonna make a comic. And so it became Cialdian. So so that was that was Cialdian. That I, you you just started drawing and, and you don't have any uh background in, in art or Oh no, I I well I started Cialdian twice actually. I started it first when I was in high school and it was kind of a mess. Um I then went on to study at the Rhode Island School of Design in illustration, so I do have an art background. Cool. Um, and the first version of Cialdian, because it was messy and I didn't really know what I was doing. But um, my senior year, I came back and I said, I really want to work on this more. And so I came back with all the art skills that I learned, and I sort of put together something that was a little more polished, a little more plot-ready. <laughs> Excellent. Wow. It, now, what are your influences? Because I just looking at this, I'm. I mean, I don't know how much of a comic book fan you are, but I'm seeing like a lot of different influences, like Charles Vess, um, Mark Oakley's series Thieves and Kings. Uh, do, I mean, do, uh, are you a comic book reader? <laughs> um, I'm not really a comic book reader. I mean, I know some of the bigger people in comic books. I'm really interested in. Uh, European comics and French comics, mm. they tend to be 
they tend to be a bit more um, like painterly, you know, illustrative. Right, and that's like where stuff, I get a lot of my art. Like art Black style. Sad and and stuff in heavy metal. Sorry. Like like series like Black Sad and and the stuff you get in heavy metal magazine. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So so your your current model for writing Cialdian is to put out a page every once in a while. Is it? It, it was every week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's a little slow. It's pretty slow. Uh, it's tough doing two comics and having a full time job. Mm-hmm. So so right. So illustrating and writing comics isn't your full time job. No, no. I'm I'm actually working in the video game industry. So. Excellent. So, so how is it, how, what's it like to work on one page at a time instead of looking at an entire book? Um, it can be tough. It's, it's a little tough because you want to get out like that big scene that you've been thinking about all that time. And then, you know, it takes a year to get just through a conversation. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I tend to do a lot of planning, a lot of thumbnailing, uh, a lot of scripting, mm-hmm. and that sort of helps prepare me for those scenes, so that in the end everything's cohesive and happy. In the in the last uh, page on the post attached to it, you said that Cialdian is being planned as an eight hundred page story, and you're on <laughs> you're on page seventy five. Is, yeah. is that is that at all daunting? Oh, a little bit, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, I really want to get it done. It, it'd be really great if I could get it done, and I'm planning on it. And even if it takes me until I'm, like, 103, then I'll just have to <laughs> you know, do it. Well, seeing the development of the, that comic over the course of your it, 60 years will be really interesting. <laughs> you know. Yeah, hopefully by the end I'll be, like, really good. <laughs> there you go. So, so you've been on hiatus from Cialdian since October uh, of of last year. When are we going to get some new pages? Pretty soon. I'm working on a page now, so you should have a page uh, soon. <laughs> I, I, I try to, I try to soon, stay away from being a soon, uh, like soon January date. Yes, okay. soon January. Okay. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Yeah. I mean, the, the chapter is almost done, so I have to get the chapter done so I can get it printed because I'm going to be attending some conventions this spring, and I want to have that out for that so people can buy it. Great. Now, and I have to ask you, your style, um, it, it seems there's a lot of, as you said, the kind of mythology that's with it. It looks kind of Pacific Northwest almost, especially with Bird Boy. Did you yeah. study a specific culture or anything for, for that? Um, I, I'm a culture nerd. I've studied every culture. Um, specifically, <laughs> I took some classes at Rhode Island School of Design, um, sort of based towards Pacific Native American art and African art, which will also come into Bird Boy, at least pretty strongly. So that, that was a huge influence for me. Just, I think the, the forms are really beautiful and just every, every, um, like Aboriginal art style out there, I think is something that more artists should be looking at because mm. it gives you really something fresh and new that hasn't been explored in a long time. When you were drawing Bird Boy and first getting the, the influences for that, 
what what were the the separate influences because you know I looked at it and I got a very very uh, anime feel to it yep. even though it's yeah. not that at all well I'm I'm a big Miyazaki fan too so aha uh-huh. yeah because that's what we were talking about earlier we were going you know the, the the Miyazaki feel to it is just amazing. Yeah. A lot of Princess Mononoke in there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. No, God, it's just refreshing. I mean, as as a, a diehard comic book fan, uh, one thing I get tired of is seeing how everybody looks like Jack Kirby or Jim Lee, <laughs> you know, and it's just like, oh, a different style, a different way of storytelling. And it's a good story. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah. the, the one thing that, that really stands out in actually both of these works is that it's a very different visual style, and it's a very good story. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you, you know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Does the, does the, the visual come to you first? Uh, do you have a map set? for these as you're putting them together or, or does the story come together and then you, you match the visuals to what you, your mind's eye sees the story? Um, I would say that the story definitely comes first. Um, like I said, I, I did a lot of writing when I was wee and I really wanted to be a writer for a long time. So I, I think that. Can I, can I stop you there and just say you really are a writer? Yes. (laughs) You absolutely oh. really are a writer because, you know, to be able to pull off what you've done with Cialdian just to this point, uh, beyond a shadow of a doubt, you are a writer. There's no well, question about it. Well, and, and honestly, I'm, <laughs> I just started reading comics a couple of months ago, and I'm already tired of certain things with the comics that I'm reading. <laughs> and I was so excited for both of these. I, you know, I read through both of them so quickly, and I... I can't wait to see more Bird Boy. I'm on the edge of my seat waiting to see what happens with this kid. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't been this enthusiastic about a comic since I was reading Walking Dead. And that's something to, that, that's, that, that's some yeah. high praise for me. And you are as good as zombies. <laughs> uh, thank you. Zombies. That's, that's like the biggest compliment I've ever gotten. <laughs> yeah. You've been hanging with the wrong people, sweetie. <laughs> okay. Now you said so, you're going to be at some conventions. Yep, yep. I'm going to be at C2E2 in March, and then I'm going to be at MOCA in whenever MOCA is happening. Uh, April. April, May? Yeah, yeah, yeah something April. like that. Usually. That's a fun uh, show, but, you know, good luck. April 9th and 10th. <laughs> Any any chance we'll be seeing you at Boston Comic Con? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe, perhaps it might Fantastic. be. I, I might just be walking around. But I try not to do too many shows because I'm exhausted. From, <laughs> I like I like weekends where I get to sleep in, and weekends <laughs> are I do not get to sleep in. So. Well, you know, uh, I was just going to say, we are the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con. We will be there, so if, if you do decide to wake up in time, uh, stop by and say hi to us. Plus, will, DC's, yep. plus, DC's doing portfolio reviews that weekend. 
at the Ooh. show. Ooh. I do so love there you go. Don't you, don't you think the, the Pacific Northwest uh, Indian look would be good for Superman? <laughs> or, or Wonder Woman? Maybe that would sell Wonder Woman. <laughs> that could do it. X, don't go down that road. <laughs> I've been down that road. It's gone. So, Anne, what what is the future of Sea Albion and Bird Boy? What what do you see foresee happening with these projects of yours? Um, hmm. yeah, I don't no know. spoilers. I... Just just tell us how they end. <laughs> <laughs> well, you mentioned that you're printing the chapters of Sea Albion, and I and I was I was noticing that you were talking about that also. Uh, you know, although I was flipping through the pages of Cialdian really quickly, I, I glanced at the blog posts underneath. Um, so, what what are what what are your uh, you know hopes and dreams as far as these two projects are concerned? Well, as far as Cialdian goes, um, I have been printing out chapters, and I plan to keep doing that. Eventually, though, they're going to be organized into four bigger books, and I'd like to look into sort of professional publishing for that. But it's sort of hard to do with a comic that's more story-driven, that has longer way to go before it has a fully rounded plot. Because most publishers, they say, okay, well, when you're finished with your story, come to us. And with an 800-page story, it's going to take a while to finish that. <laughs> but I had a lot of interest with people saying, oh, we just want a chapter, that'd be great, you know, or I just want to have this for my shelf. So I decided to self-publish those just shorter chapters and little bits that people could have. But, yeah. It's fantastic. Any way I can. Are you selling the original pages? Um, the original pages I am not selling only because they don't usually exist. I do all of my work starting right on the computer. Uh, occasionally ah. I'll do, occasionally I'll do like a sketch page and then scan that in and, and, but it's so it's so sketchy and so scribbly that I don't know if anyone would want it. <laughs> I was going to ask you that because your artwork looks like you, it's painted, like you paint it and then scan it. How? What's your uh, the creative the creation process? I should say. Um, well, I I use a Wacom Cintiq, so I can draw right on the screen, and that helps me a lot with making something look really sort of painterly and more hand-drawn. Um, I work in Photoshop CS5, and usually I'll start with, like, a sketch or a thumbnail, and then I'll do sort of like a whatever an inked line would be in computer talk. And then I fill that in with um, flat colors and then usually cell-shaded values, lighter colors and darker colors. And then on top of that, with Cialdian at least, I'll do a more painterly pass and just sort of smudge things together and make them shiny. Huh. Fantastic. It, yeah. it, it's beautiful artwork, especially uh, Bird Boy just blew me away. And, you know, I think you're on page eight of Bird Boy. <laughs> yeah. um, and, you know, I'm, I'm completely drawn into this world. And one of the things that I found really interesting is there's not a lot of dialogue in the first eight pages of, of Bird Boy. Uh, you know, I, the, but you don't the, need it. The, no, the the story of uh, is it is it Molly Mani Molly Mani? That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, it was fantastic. I I felt like I was looking at a mural on a wall in you know, 
actually I was thinking South America at that point. Um, it, I'm I'm blown away by your you know your use of cultural uh, you know influence in your in your artwork. It's fantastic. Uh, are there any other cultures that you're interested in exploring as far as their art and their storytelling? Oh man, I, I well as I mentioned before, I'm so obsessed with just every culture. So. Um, my goal is between the two comics to hit every single culture that I'm interested in, wow. and <laughs> well, there there are there are cultures that will shine through more more so than others. Like the Northwest really shines through, but there are definitely aspects in Bird Boy that are more like Northern European. There's the Baba Yaga type character that will appear later. Um, nice. Like I said, there, there's going to be a lot of African influence and just all sorts of, of amazing art that's just influenced me throughout my... Oh, my, my God. You've got to do, like, a graphic novel adaptation of the works of um, uh, Joseph Campbell. <laughs> there oh, we Joseph go. Campbell. Joseph Campbell is my homeboy. Oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> I'm sure Bill Moyers has the rights to his stuff at this point. See if you can adapt Power of Myth into a graphic novel. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I, I've got a question. In Bird Boy, why are those animals walk on sticks? <laughs> I'm like, they've got really skinny... No, they are sticks. They're sticks, they're sticks. Um, the animals are sort of compiled bits of stuff more than actual physical, biological animals. So, like, the what, they're escapees from the Hundred Acre Wood? Okay, okay, we just need to stop. Spoilers, <laughs> spoilers. I can't take it. <laughs> uh, is there anything new that, you're, that you want to work on in the future, projects that you have on the back burner that you really want to get started? Uh, anything that you're excited about right now? Mm, uh, I have so many just small bits of ideas that will come to fruition later. I mean, Bird Boy was really the thing that was, sitting in the back of my head for the last year. So getting that out has been my primary focus right now. But there are definitely stories I have about, like, I have one about this, this older woman who's looking for her daughter or something, something. I don't know. It's, it's just so fragmented right now that it's not really a story. It's just this, like, vision in my head that'll become a story sometimes. A seed, when yeah. When I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> but... That's usually how it works. I'll start out with just like an like a one scene that I'll see, and I'll go, "Oh, that'd be a cool story." You know, just just to help you along with you know getting Cialdian uh, back on schedule, I think if a sci-fi podcast showed up in the cast, <laughs> I think it would be terrific. You know, it would be so you know in with with the whole story. You know, it it would just make <laughs> perfect sense, and it, the story would write itself, don't you think? Oh, definitely, definitely. See, <laughs> See now, 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 X. What I was thinking is that you know she could she could immortalize a, a certain science fiction podcast in a in a Chinese art influenced sci fi series. What a great idea! I, there I we can't go. imagine why you would have thought of that. Oh, I, I, am so glad that we had you on the podcast, and your art is amazing. <laughs> And, and you speak really well about what you're doing. Thank you so much for being on tonight. Oh, well, thank you for having me. 
It was totally our pleasure, let me tell you. This this was great fun. Great, great fun. And, you know, uh, on our podcast, when we brought it up, we will have links to both Bird Boy and Sea Aldean. We will also have links to your deviant art so that they can look at that and see your stuff there as well. And maybe even your Twitter feed. Oh, I don't know. Maybe your Twitter feed so that they can check you out and see what it is you're doing on a daily basis. What you had for lunch. <laughs> hey, it's Twitter is important. important. Always important. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. It was a pleasure talking to you. It was an absolute pleasure finding your work. Our guest tonight, Ann Zabla. Thank you so much, Ann. Thank you. Kriana, hit that music, baby. She's falling asleep. Zombrarian, hit Kriana. Thank you. And next week, our first Boston Comic-Con guest of 2011, artist Nicole Hanchi, will be here. Then on January 29th, filmmaker Mike Dougherty redeems our show with an update on Browncoat's Redemption. And on February 19th, StoryForge's Steve Letary returns to give us the scoop on all the new shows at SciFinal.com. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of the Boston Comic-Con coming up on April 30th and on Comic Art House, your one and only source for original comic artwork. Visit Bob and Kim at ComicArtHouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Sci-Fi Saturday Night crew get their comics at Double Midnight Comics and Collectibles in Manchester, New Hampshire. Check out AnotherHeaven.com for the best selection of Asian and cult cinema DVDs and visit AdamsMedia.com, the first name in nonfiction publishing. Tonight's outro music provided by Zanoise. Pick up their CD, The Benevolent Beast, on iTunes. Dome? I want to thank our guest tonight, artist, writer, and graphic novelist, Andy Zabla. It's terrific stuff. And we'll see you next week. Same bad time, same bad channel from the Alton Brighton Hold outside of Boston, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana. Thank you, darling, for all that you do. From the fourth pillar vault of comics, great thanks to Illustrator X and the Dead Redhead. Still wearing the underoos. From Outpost Gallifrey, our gaming editor. Thank you, Java. Absolutely exterminated. Blah. (laughs) (laughs) This is the dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus, we all refute entropy. Good night, everybody. (laughs) 